The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Good morning, Don. Good to see you this morning. And I see that you brought a guest with you. I did. Yes, we got a guest, Ian Pendrell. And he is the district vice president of IG, um, IG Wealth Management for wholesaling. Actually, he's quite the mouthful there, Ian. And, <laughs> uh, and everybody's saying, what the heck does this mean, I guess? But uh, you know what? Um, there's so many moving parts in the investment side of things. Uh, last week, we saw you know, uh, inflation numbers uh, a little lower than they may have thought. And possibly, in the U.S., that is. And uh, and then there's a big rally in the U.S. stock markets, um, particularly the Nasdaq, the tech stocks. And then you're saying, okay, well, that's good. But you know, I guess the listeners are there saying, well, what does that have to do with me? Um, these are all bits and pieces of a bigger picture. And so, you know, as far as a whole ceiling team, we have managers um, running everything from very safe funds, from money market funds to more aggressive funds, uh, bond and mortgage funds, even more aggressive funds, say to Canadian dividend funds, all the way to smaller companies and private equities. And so there's a lot of different managers running different parts of all our clients' investments. And so it's hard to keep up on all the knowledge and what they're doing. But there is one man that does try to keep up on all this, and that would be Ian. So Ian, if you could probably describe exactly what your role is. Um, that would probably help because I actually am uh, probably doing a looser job than I should do as far as what you're actually doing because I don't even know all the details of what you do. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, first of all, uh, as a guest speaker on today, Don. And Scott, I just want to say I feel like you have the best radio voice I- I've ever heard. So keep it up. <laughs> there, you, uh, there you go, Don. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Perfect. Don, yours, is pretty, yours is pretty good, too. I'll say that. <laughs> Remember, um, I am a financial planner. This is not what I do for a living. So. This is your side hustle. That's all good. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, yeah, a great place to start is maybe like why wholesaling in the first place? Because within IG Wealth, uh, the wholesaling team is is relatively new within the last year. But wholesaling on the investment side of things has been around for a very long time. And there is a bigger need for it now than ever Because if you look at the whole industry landscape, there has been increased complexity when it comes to products. And as a result, we've seen a need for increased support. So I I was looking at a stat recently, and it's from the IFIC, the Investment Funds Institute of Canada. And they said that at the end of 2022, there are about 3,400 mutual funds and over 1,000 ETFs just in Canada alone. And there's another stat from Refinitiv that said that there has been more than 10,000 funds and ETFs that have been introduced in the U.S. alone in the last 10 years. Hmm. So when I say that there has been increased complexity, there, there's been all these funds that have gotten launched, launched that you now have ETFs that, that are in place that really weren't in existence like 30, 20 years ago. And there's also alternative investments that, that are in, in the marketplace now. So 
on the wholesaling side, what we're trying to do is really work with financial advisors to keep them up to speed on this and, and as a result, their end clients as well. So a few areas that we focus on with advisors is helping them with uh, product education. So again, there's a lot of different moving par parts within the product side of things. And we want to make sure that all of our financial advisors are up to speed on that and getting to hear directly from our portfolio managers. Uh, we're also here on the wholesaling team to provide product recommendations, uh, helping with pr product positioning. And then uh, we meet with advisors all across Ontario for myself. And then I have peers that meet with advisors all across Canada. What we're doing is we're seeing trends amongst advisors, you know, from Ottawa to Winnipeg, like people are doing things differently. And it's always great from a wholesaling perspective to keep in touch with these different advisors, meet with them, and then relay that information to different advisors in terms of what we're, what's working and what's not working. And then lastly, we, we also take a look at market trends as well. So my wholesaling team meets weekly with uh, our portfolio strategist team and, uh, and also the chief investment strategist team. And, and we look at what's going on in the market um, and how can we relay that and, and update our financial advisors. So, yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, you know, right, and I, and I look at this Ian, and I go, okay, I've been doing this now for thirty eight years. Actually, as of last week, was thirty eight years. And mm -hmm. so, how how this how this is the evolution of the product shelf is in, incredible. You know, you mm -hmm. go back to when I started, we had about uh, less than a dozen funds. It was almost kind of like if you look at the NHL, the original six. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then how many, the next thing you know, you have Vegas winning the Stanley cup now and it's like, wow, um, who would have <laughs> thought, right? Yeah. And so you go back and we had, you know, everything mortgage bond and, and maybe there was one global fund and that would have been about as sexy as it got back then. <laughs> okay. And there's literally about a dozen. You could actually put them on one sheet and color code them. So it was very easy. And so it, was, it wasn't difficult for somebody like myself or financial advisors in general to know all the products mm -hmm. and you could read up on them quite easily. And now I uh, fast forward 38 years later and I got a little book here. Um, listeners can't see this book of all the different products we have. And it's like, holy smokes, how do you get <laughs> to know all these and when do you when should you use certain products over what other products, everything from environmentally uh, environmental sensitive type products mm -hmm. uh, versus, and then of course, private equities and debts on one side, stuff that wasn't even thought of 38 years ago. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I know you had a, recently, you had the opportunity to speak at our, our Hamilton region mm -hmm. and, and, and it's, you know, it's such a great, it's so great to have a resource such as yourself to kind of, drive down and, and, and boil down what we need to know because you know certain things I know last week for example I, I reached out what what about fixed income and what's going on with fixed income well there's about I don't know a dozen fixed income alone never mind equity not, not, mm -hmm. never mind funds and then you got me in touch with the person who's in charge of fixed income who then was able to you know boil down and give me the rates of what's happening mm -hmm. with you know, the guaranteed ones all the way to U.S. high yield funds, which we actually talked about last week on the show. It was so great to have a quick email to you. And then you were able to contact me and bring all this together. Mm -hmm. um, talk about a resource. So what would your day to day, you know, dealings be with advisors such as myself? Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. So 
Um, and congrats on your 38 uh, years. That's amazing, yes. Don. Yeah, amazing. Um, so I think like really in our role, like most of the time I'm spending in meetings with advisors. So um, I'm trying to go into the offices, uh, you know, across Ontario and meet individually with them, figure out how they're building portfolios, um, talk about different investments, figure out maybe where is there a gap in terms of their portfolio if they're not looking at a fund that maybe other advisors are and try to get them in front of these portfolio managers. So um, at the end of the day, like we're, we're really trying to do this uh, in person, meet with the advisors one-on-one. -on -one, and then in certain situations like yourself, Don, where you had questions on, on fixed income, wanted to chat about high yield, wanted to get in the nitty gritty of our fixed income products, that's where I can loop in some of our portfolio managers with our different sub-advisors. I think it's incredible at, at IG, we actually have over uh, like 19 different sub-advisors from BlackRock, who's the largest asset manager in the world, to uh, PIMCO, who's the largest fixed income asset manager in the world. Uh, and we have relationships with them. And we are able to put those portfolio managers in touch with our with our advisors like you got in touch with one of our fixed income managers don so i think that's something very special with the wholesaling team is where we can kind of be this uh liaison between uh different partners within our business and i think it's funny that you mentioned about the evolution of products because there's this great slide that i always uh, reference with advisors from uh, callan associates in the wall street journal and they basically take a look at at portfolios uh and, and look at what it took to get a 7% return 30 years ago compared to today. Mm -hmm. And back in 1992, essentially all you had to do to get a 7% return was have a 100% fixed income portfolio. And that was it. Mm. It, was, it was easy street uh, investing back then. And your volatility was actually only 3%. So very low volatility, very simple investment back in 1992. And when you look 15 years forward and then another 30 years forward to 2022, that portfolio construction to get that same 7% return looks completely different. Mm. You, you almost have no fixed income exposure in that kind of um, you know low risk adjusted portfolio to get that same 7% return. I think that's obviously changed the way interest rates have gone up in 2022. But you have all these different components now within your portfolio construction, including private assets, alternatives, real estate, uh, equity that you didn't really have to get back in uh, 30 years ago. So I think there's been a huge evolution in, in portfolio construction going forward. And, and you know what? It's great to have, again, this discussion because going back, I had to do all the work and try to create my own you know, portfolios. <laughs> and, and it's always about trying to hit that you know, the efficient yield curve, um, how much risk do you want to take versus how much you return can you get based on that risk? And you're right. It was a lot easier when mortgage rates were 10% to get a 7% rate of return because, <laughs> okay, because all the interest rate investments were paying very well. Mm -hmm. But, you know, inflation was also higher back then too. So we always look at what's called real rate of returns. How much are you beating inflation by? And then to take it one more step, real rate of returns after tax, after income tax on those investments, if it's a non-registered investment. So, you know what, is, is, coming back to what your role is, it's really to make us 
perform better with our, for our clients' portfolios. Mm-hmm. It's to give us the knowledge to say, okay, here's a better alternative that will give you a higher rate of return with the same amount of risk or even less risk. Mm-hmm. And isn't, isn't that, you know, after 38 years, I think that's probably the <laughs> what every client wants. I want a high return with no risk. Okay, not, <laughs> we can't quite do that. But how about a highest return we can with the, with the amount of risk that you can accept? And then beat inflation, ideally, by 2 3 4%, and so that you're not falling back. Because right now, and we're going to get into this a little bit later, right now you can get a 4 or 5% yield on investments. Mm-hmm. Um, no risk. Mm-hmm. And, and yet, okay, how's that going to do if you just put all your money there, which there's a lot of money in cash right now, throw it all in cash. Well, fast forward five years, how's that going to look? First mm-hmm. of all, you're paying a lot of income tax on that interest. And you're and in inflation currently is about four or five percent. So you're not really beating inflation. So long-term financial planning, I'll, absolutely, the investment side is super important. But we have to create put that in perspective with the overall plan. Mm-hmm. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here along with Ian Penrill, District VP of the Wholesale Team Investors Group. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 972-7420. And our special guest this week is Ian Pendrell, District Vice President, the Wholesale Team for Investors Group. And Don, I know you've got like a list of questions as long as your arm here. Oh, yeah. No, this is great to have Ian here, I'll tell you. And wealth of information. And really from us, it's always been, okay, how... It, there's some pressure. We, we, we build a relationship with the clients. We, we take them on. They trust us in terms of all the tax planning, investment planning, estate planning, insurance planning. We put the whole plan together. But at the end of the day, we still have to invest the money somewhere. And we want to do the best we can for our clients. Absolutely. And we want to invest in what in their comfort level. So, it, you know, and they, we go through comfort level and what, what their risk tolerance is. And so, it, it, you know, as I mentioned earlier, 38 years has gone by before. There was like, okay, well, this is not too bad. If we're going to do a 60-40 portfolio, we'll have some in a mortgage fund, some in a bond fund, uh, some in a, a Canadian fund, and some in a global fund. And we make the 60-40 portfolio. And then as things evolved, I've seen many advisors, not necessarily with IG, in the industry in general, because we transfer you know, millions of dollars from colored our com- competition over to us. And they've fallen in love with a few funds. And I remember way back, there used to be like a hot sheet. Here's your sheet. These are the top, top, top 10 performing funds. This is what you should have. IG had never worked that way. It was never about getting the best fund of the week or the year. And, you know, kind of interesting if you look at but what was the top funds back then. Many that aren't even in business now or have been gobbled up by others. Um, so it, it's quite interesting. But that was 
that was the way mutual funds were literally sold at the time. They, it wasn't financial planning. It was selling a product. Now, we got Ian here is now saying, okay, Don or whomever, this is maybe a better alternative. Um, so they've got, they got into what we call managed solutions. And this is now taking, it's a hands-free approach where we don't pick any funds. Um, IG picks a set portfolio and they have slivers of different fund managers running pieces of each sliver, whether it's a Canadian sliver. And that Canadian part may be, brought, may be broken into three or four parts, a U.S. sliver, a fixed income sliver. Maybe you can describe that evolution a little bit, Ian, for us. Yeah, certainly, Don. Uh, thanks for that. So maybe I'll just preface first that nothing that I'm saying for my part should be taken as direct kind of financial advice. But uh, one of the themes that I like talking about and and on that point of the 60-40 portfolio is that the 60-40 portfolio kind of over the last decade from 2011 to 2021 really had like an incredible run. It had basically an annualized return of, of close to 11%. And Don, I know you talked about real returns, which I think is always important to talk about to investors. Uh, the real return after inflation during that last decade period was 8.7%. So wow. being in that 60-40 portfolio had been an amazing investment over that last decade period. But if you think about kind of the environment that we were in during that decade, it was something that we've really never seen. You had extremely low interest rates, low inflation, uh, no geopolitical tension, really, no economic uncertainty. So it was kind of the perfect environment for investing in kind of this portfolio. And when we think about the next decade that we're going into now, the table is kind of turned. Like you go from low inflation to, to very high inflation. A lot of people are saying it's sticky. You have high interest rates to combat that high inflation. Uh, you have more geopolitical tension that we're seeing across the world. And there's a lot more economic uncertainty. So this environment has kind of changed. And, and as a result, we're kind of looking at that traditional 60-40 portfolio a little bit different, differently. And I don't know what's going to happen over the next decade for that traditional 60-40 portfolio, but I think it's always interesting to maybe look back at, a, at another decade. And Scott, maybe I'll chime you in here. What, what did you think uh, the 60-40 from 2000 to 2009 returned on an annualized basis if, if from 2011 to 2021, it was about 11%? I have no idea, and I'm not even <laughs> going to hazard a guess. But, <laughs> but one on. thing, one thing I will say yeah. is, is what I've really learned just in the short period of time that we've had you here is how yes. much more complex this has become. Because you're really what your role is, if I'm accurate here, is mm -hmm. to is to digest everything that's going on in the financial world mm. from this perspective, and then sift through it all and tell the planners, okay, maybe look at this, maybe look at that. And, exactly. uh, you know, when you see a lot of do-it-yourself investing going on, I'm not sure people realize just how big this world has got now. Yeah, it's it's so crazy. And that's such a good point. Um, 
and and to and is that a, is that not a is that not a great way of getting out of not answering yeah, your question? Yeah, just about to say that. It should be in politics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I've heard Trudeau take the exact same stance when he was asking a direct question, like, "Oh, and, oh, that hurts." Oh, oh. And, and then next thing you know, you don't even remember what the question was, and it was such a great answer. But anyway, <laughs> that's because I was say I was saving that question from the last segment. That's why. Okay, that was great. I almost forgot what I asked you there. <laughs> <laughs> That's how good that response was. <laughs> okay, so I'll give you the answer. It was uh, it was two point three percent compared to the eleven percent. That's um, what I meant to say. That so was exactly, on the tip of I, know, I know that yeah, was on right the tip there. of your tongue. And and, and, and so inflation at that time was what Ian at that yeah and, the same and, time yeah great great question Don and and inflation like the real return after that two point three percent you would have actually had a negative zero point three percent return on an annualized basis as an investor going in a 60-40 portfolio. So when we think about kind of that period, which they kind of call the lost decade from 2000 to 2009, um, that had a lot more uh, components that we're seeing in the environment today than what we've seen over the last decade. And so if you look at most, say, um, pension funds, uh, superannuations mm. for teachers, uh, government pensions, even Canada pension for that matter, um, I always like to compare what we do for clients because they're looking after their money now because the defined benefit plans are, are basically gone for on the private sector. So we are trying to create a pension plan to give them a retirement paycheck. So when they retire, they can have a, you know, a, a fairly confident view going forward. How do you, how, do, how are they changing and how are we changing? Are, are, are we doing similar things as the pension funds or are they lagging now in, in what they're doing? Yeah. So it's it's great to look at the pension funds because you're right, like defined benefits have kind of decreased, but still pension funds manage the most money. They have the largest teams, some of the smartest people. So it's always important to look at what pension plans are doing when you're kind of constructing your own portfolios to see if uh, you know, you're kind of in line with exactly what they're doing. Because again, they have they manage the largest assets, have some of the smartest people and largest teams. So 30 years ago, pension plans they basically kind of had a 60-40 portfolio with a little bit of alternatives and private markets exposure. And when you yeah, actually- Could you explain what that means, please? Yeah. So so we went when we look at the CPPIB in 2021, 50% uh, of their exposure is alternatives. And I think alternatives is, is kind of a buzzword sometimes, and it's almost there to just confuse investors. But when you actually break up alternatives- um, the components in there is private equity, uh, real estate, real estate, infrastructure, private credit. And okay, and, and if we can just break that down one yeah. step further, what's private equity and what's private credit? Yeah, perfect. I, I see that you're more the client-facing person and I'm more the advisor-facing person <laughs> for this. <laughs> um, so private equity, if you, if you look at the U.S. economy, 97% of the companies in the U.S. are actually private companies. Only 3% are public. So that 3% gets a lot of media attention. But if you're a client or an investor, do you want to be fishing in the pond with, you know, 97 fish or three fish? Yeah. I think the 97. And Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. No question. And, and just to put this in perspective, a public company is a company traded on the stock market. Exactly. Okay. And so then a private company obviously is not traded on the stock market. And the Warren Buffets of this world have been dealing in that pond for a long time too, but buying up companies and they're no longer or were may never have been on the stock market in the first place. Yeah. And and a, 
perfect example, like Bloomberg, for for example, is is a private company, and that's a very well run business. Um, so there's a lot of private companies out there that you want to get exposure to. It's not something that you want to have a lot of your portfolio allocated to it because there's more illiquidity out there. Um, it's not traded as, as frequently. Um, but that's that's private equity. So it's an area that that you do want to get exposure to, but a lot of investors are not getting exposure to right now. Uh, real estate, I think everyone knows what what real estate is in Canada. Infrastructure, we all know what infrastructure is. Uh, private credit, that would be basically loans not from the bank. And, and private credit right now, um, I, I was listening to a podcast on the weekend, and they say that it's one of the number one investment opportunities currently. Uh, because of the regional banking crisis in the U.S., uh, these people can no longer go to the regional banks because they've tightened their lending, so they have to go to private credit uh, companies. But um, needless and, to and, say, and charge yeah. a higher rate of return. And charge a higher rate, yeah. So, so say uh, say a bank would charge, I don't know, seven percent on a loan. What would mm -hmm. private credit charge, for example? Yeah, they they would be able to get a. a premium on that. I, I don't know the exact amount, but it can range from like, if it was 7%, maybe private credit is getting like 10%, let's say. Um, but yeah, Don, back to back to pension plans, like 30 years ago, they had a small silver to alternatives in private markets. Today, they have almost 50% of their portfolio, most pension plans allocated to alternatives in private markets. Mm. And I mentioned that CPPIB example, 2021 allocations, they have 50% to alternatives. It's a lot easier to understand when you kind of break it down into those components. Uh, but basically, when we look at the retail investor portfolio today, they still kind of have that traditional 60-40 portfolio. So one of the solutions that we have at IG is, is with our iProfile uh, managed solutions. And, and that's helping get clients exposure not only to some of the the largest asset managers in the world, like BlackRock, uh, PIMCO, JP Morgan, but also exposure to private investments and alternatives. And and so something like uh, the alternatives, I know you, you touched on infrastructure. If you could even describe that a bit further for the listeners. Yeah. So think of like a, a toll road would be infrastructure. So the 407, um, for example. 407. Yeah, exactly. So it's... Uh, that that's basically what infrastructure is. I think again, like they try to make it more complicated than it actually is, throwing around alternatives in private markets. But right. when you actually look at like the overall market and look at the individual companies, you start to understand what it is. It's it's things that you can actually touch and feel. And, and that's what I wanted to bring to light to this is that okay, when when a client's reading a report and say it says alternatives or other, these are things that you're using every day. You just mm -hmm. may not know it. And and again, what I what I found alarming, and I've been noticing this in the probably last decade, is how much Canada Pension Plan has gone to the private equities. And so a lot of and private and private debt. So mm -hmm. or private credit. So we, you know, most planners really have been ignoring that sec section. And it's so great that we have this and it's an expanding sliver, if you will, of our overall pie. And we've mm -hmm. we've had uh, fortunately we've had um Philip Peterson, our chief investment strategist on this show about every quarter. So he's about due to come on again, actually. <laughs> um, and he is the one that kind of tilts the allocation of the different um, asset class. So for example, you have Canadian, US, international equities, emerging equities, an ETF pool, a low volatility pool, an active allocation pool run by BlackRock, 
the alternative pool, as you're just talking about, Ian, fixed income pool and cash. And we have, you know, parameters around each of these pools. And then Philip Peterson then tries to shift those around trying to say what would be the optimal amount of um, allocation based on risk. And, and yeah, I think it's, it's great to have Philip because with these managed solutions compared to 6040, you get it, you get exposure to these alternative investments, which can add alpha to your overall portfolio. And then on top of that, you have Philip Peterson, who's making these calls in terms of, should we go overweight or underweight fixed income to equity? Should we allocate to the US or the Canadian equity market right now? And we were shown this great slide from BlackRock that did this analysis where they looked at how much alpha can you add with these kind of tilts by calling you know, what's going to be the best geography and what's going to be the worst geography. And what they, what they noticed that was from 2012 to 2016, there was a discrepancy between the best country and the worst country in the MSCI, but of uh, 28%. Wow. And that has actually increased from 2017 to 2022 to about 32%. So if you're making the right call, if you have someone very smart managing this, these portfolios and is making the call in terms of which geographies to go into and which ones to stay out of, you can make a huge amount of additional alpha compared with your peers. And that's a great point. So you have these, say, a Canadian asset manager. They can't get outside the dots there, okay? they got to stay in their lane. So they have to buy Canadian stocks. And they're going to do the best job they can. But they're still stuck there. So if you have somebody that is also massaging that tilt, and that's where you're adding alpha. So if Canada is no longer in favor and you can move it, to say, to uh, uh, U.S. as an example, then you can increase your rate of return immensely. Uh, you know, again, so you now you got both the best managers and you got somebody overseeing the overall portfolio to get a, the highest rate of return with the least, least amount of risk. All I can say is, folks, don't try this at home. There's a lot going <laughs> on, okay, under the hood here. Yeah, yeah. we're uh, be careful with that alpha. Uh, we are planning <laughs> your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. Don Fox, or sorry, donfox.net to find out more. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. And joining us today, Ian Pendrell, District VP, the wholesale team at IG. We're going to take a quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. And our special guest this week, Ian Pendrell, District VP, the wholesale team for Investors Group. Yes, and uh, we've been discussing our, one of our many managed solutions, and you know, there's a place for everything. And this particular one is it's certainly one I, I've really endeared myself with. I, I love the premise about um, di discretionary portfolio management. So you not only do you have a manager that is handpicked as hopefully as the best manager you can on each area, but then you have an oversight with somebody such as Philip Peterson. So just to kind of back it up just a bit, so if you look at something like iProfile, and this would be with all our management, all our managed products, and you could even say any of the individual products work the same way. The manager is only as good 
as what, you know, it's kind of like a, you know, an elite hockey player. I personally, um, I was a huge Gretzky fan, still am, but he, I wouldn't want him on my hockey team anymore. Okay. <laughs> he, he, you have, what have you done for me lately? Okay. And so when they're picking the best managers, you know, what, do, what do you have, you know, what do they go through in order to pick these ones? If you, if you can add any comment there and then even worse, how do you replace them if they're not performing? Yeah. So I think it's incredible what we have with an eye profile. Like basically what IG realized um, many years ago, they used to actually manage the products themselves. But what IG realized is that they couldn't really fight against some of the biggest players in the space when it comes to BlackRock, uh, Fidelity, PIMCO. So instead they, they started hiring sub-advisors. So they hired BlackRock to manage, you know, our international large cap equity uh, pool. Uh, they hired Fidelity to help manage one of our Canadian equity pools because they wanted to get the best of the best managers so that your clients are getting exposure to the best players in Canada, the best players in US, the best players in the international space and the best players in the fixed income space. So that's what iProfile has kind of done is it's basically done all these partnerships with these sub-advisors. Um, and, and really what our team looks at is the performance and the mandate and the philosophy and the team of each manager uh, when they're selecting them. So let's take uh, Canadian equity, for example. Uh, we wanted to get exposure to um, some of the best managers in this space. And as a result, within our Canadian equity pool of iProfile, we have McKenzie Investments in there. We have Fidelity Investments. We have Butel Goodman, uh, Sigard, Northleaf, who's, who's giving you some alternative exposure. But these are the best of the best. And within the Canadian equity pool, uh, we actually used to have a, a previous manager who I don't know if I'm allowed to name them. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> let's go with say so let's let me name it. That was Jaroski okay. Fraser. Yeah, perfect. Okay. Um, so they they were supposed to be kind of the value component of our Canadian equity pool. And if you think about value investing, it has not been in favor really over the last decade. So what this manager started to do is they kept on underperforming, but that was just a result of being a value investor. What they started to do was to keep up with the performance of, of the rest of the market. They started to shift a little bit more on the growth side. And when we had a market environment like 2022, where value ended up doing a lot better than growth, we looked at this manager and said, okay, now you guys should be outperforming. But they weren't because they changed that that mandate in their style of investment. So as a result, like we fired them and and we said, you know, you guys have not stayed true to what we hired you for. Um, and and we kind of do this quarterly uh, meetings and analysis with all these sub advisors to make sure that they're on track and and they're not doing what this one manager did in the portfolio. And, and this is really important because if you have a, a certain designation and this is your your job you are value only it's one thing to be canadian okay you're doing that part still and, and they did a great job of running the fund for 20 years but then they started to get outside their lane and again it's hard not to because it's you're looking outside it's like a party going on everything's about <laughs> growth growth is killing it you got shopify doing fantastic and you got the and the value investments such as the banks not doing as well and you're thinking, geez, you know, why am I not over there? I could be doing so much better. As a manager, it's hard to stay in the lanes. 
And then, but finally, and we've talked about this many times, Scott, is how they flip. All of a sudden, the growth managers aren't doing so well, and the sediment all say, wow, I want to be safer. And oil and gas, for example, becomes in favor, and banks become more in favor. And so, and if you're not there, you miss it. So they're now trying to, you know, trying to time where they want to be. And unfortunately, they weren't where they should have been, no longer with it. And then we're replaced almost immediately. And this is what I really liked about IG. This happened in the first quarter of last year, how quickly a long-term relationship was dropped so that we could benefit the clients, make sure that our returns mm-hmm. weren't affected um, very long. It was affected for a couple of months, but they were dropped very quickly, replaced by one manager originally, then another manager that took their spot. And again, I feel just... Um, a great amount of trust with that kind of management behind the scenes, knowing that you guys are doing your job so that I can do my job. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. Our special guest, Ian Pendrell, District VP of the Wholesale Team at IG. You can call IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. A quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Our guest this week, Ian Pendrell, District VP, the wholesale team for IG. It's our last segment. Don, what can we squeeze in here? I know this is flying by, Scott, and uh, d- definitely you're going to be on a show again in the near future. So <laughs> you, uh, you, you've you've earned that right. But um, quickly, you know, Manage Solutions. It's it's really simple, and and you know, it's trying to find out what the clients' needs are, what we're trying to accomplish, their comfort level. We find a managed solution, which is really a portfolio of about twenty different managers. But is there not room for an a la carte experience? Say. Uh, um, a, seg- a sector fund or a specific fixed income fund or a dividend bearing fund? You know, what are your thoughts on that, Ian? Yeah, Don, it's, uh, it's a great question because what we've seen a lot of people do recently is similar to your a la carte. We, we've also called it like a core and explore type of approach where the meat and potatoes is like that managed solution, which is a kind of more consistent long-term rate of return that you can rely on and plan off. But then if you also want to get, you know, something on the side, like a little dessert, you can go for more of these like a la carte kind of mandates or satellite positions where it's uh, it might be like a, a U.S. growth product, an ESG product. Uh, ESG, you, by the way, would yeah, be environmental, social and governance. So maybe maybe let's start there because I, I love this one uh, ESG environmental kind of product that we have on our shelf that we see a lot of people using. And it's uh the, the green chip global environmental all cap fund. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's with McKenzie. It's, it's one of our sub advisors, but um, where this product differentiates from the rest of the ESG market is that it's sustainably themed investing. So they're actually investing in companies that produce and sell things that are going to directly impact the environment in a positive way. There's, there's other ESG investing where maybe you're getting exposure to companies like Microsoft, Apple, 
um, you know, Chipotle TD that kind of have ESG initiatives in the companies, but really what they're doing day to day isn't having a direct positive impact on the environment. So really with this green chip product, like they're focused on sectors like clean energy, energy efficiency, cleanup technologies, water, transportation. And what's really interesting is when you look at a lot of products out there, they are heavily exposed to the U.S. This product is actually finding a lot of opportunities outside of the U.S. So mm. a lot of the opportunities that they're seeing is in Europe and Asia. And, and we kind of, when we hear about Europe, they're, they're one of the forefronts of kind of ESG incorporation in a lot of their companies. Um, and, and this fund has done extremely well because it's been able to kind of play into that great energy transition that we're seeing in the market from fossil fuels to clean energy. Um, I know one of the stocks in this uh, specific fund in the portfolio is Alstone. It's, it's pretty interesting. It's actually uh, the largest rail manufacturer, uh, rail company in France. And they bought Bombardier a few years ago when Bombardier really wasn't doing much. So they got it for a very good valuation. And this makes them now the largest, the second largest rail manufacturer in uh, the world. And mm. when you think about rail trans, it's actually one of the most energy efficient ways of transportation per passenger. And I think the stock's up like 12% this year. So that's kind of one example of, of some of the exposure that, that this individual fund is getting um, to. But these are the type of funds that maybe you can have like a, a 90 or 80% of your portfolio to I profile and then get like a 20 or 10% exposure to one of these desserts that we call them. <laughs> and ESG, you know, it's, it's amazing how things can pivot so great. And you mentioned Europe. So you have this Russian invasion of Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And so now they're very dependent on the oil and gas sector. And and it was amazing how they, they persevered through the winter. They did not need nearly as much gas and, uh, and oil as they thought they would need. And I think a lot of the reason was it forced their hand to go into more environmental, like windmills, solar, et cetera, quicker than they expected. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, hey, you know what? If mankind needs that to force their hand, I, you know, that's certainly not the way to do it. But at least it is moving us towards, um, you know, fossil fuels. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking just like we pivoted during the whole pandemic, how quickly people started to stay at home and, and less driving to work. And, and the world continued. The stock mm -hmm. market rebounded very quickly. But it's amazing how many opportunities on a day-to-day -day basis, every day. And if you look at the names 20 years ago, and how old are you, Ian? I'm 28. Okay, so you're eight years old. Um, <laughs> so what would have been the top 10 companies running, uh, you know, top 10 com companies in the U.S. back then, there might be only two of those now. Mm. I think Exxon is one of them. And, uh, you know, now they're filtered with things such as Tesla, uh, Microsoft, Apple, a lot of tech companies for that matter. Exxon is, might be the only oil company. It was mainly oil back then. And then Polaroid was one. Well, they're not even business now. So again, this is what the world does. It changes. Mm -hmm. And and so to have a managed solution managing the bulk of your money on a day-to-day -day basis, what a great – Because and then you have somebody overseeing the whole thing to make mm -hmm. changes on their allocation. And then, if you will, have that dessert, okay? And whether it's um, ESG um, type of products or whether it is a growth fund or whether it might be, say, an Asian fund 
fantastic. You can you can add that. But at the end of the day, it's all about financial planning. And this is why, you know, you know, we deal with people. It's tax planning, investment planning, estate planning, and this is the investment sleep. Thanks so much for joining us today, Ian. Thank you so much for having me, Don, and, and thanks for hosting, Scott. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox has been here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. DonFox.net to find out more. Call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. And our special guest has been Ian Pendrell, District Vice President, the wholesale team for IG. An incredibly informative show, gentlemen. Thank you so much. We'll talk next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.